Welcome to the Grace Vineyard Podcast, where we are building growing communities of worshipers who are becoming like Christ, empowered to do His work. We hope you enjoy this message. Tell the story about the ER room, okay? <laughs> um, it goes a little bit like this. Um, we were doing some ministry, and, and we ran into a fella that needed some serious help, and so we took him off the streets, and um, he wasn't doing very well. Um, so we had to take him to the emergency room, and um, <clears throat> we desperately needed a hospital to take him in because we were not able to um, help him care for him, and the only other option was to put him back in the street to die. Oh. So, um, oh. uh, so myself, Stephen, uh, Russ Brown, we, we went up to Encinitas Hospital to the emergency room, and we bring him in. You know, <clears throat> we're explaining our situation. You know, we're being told that there are no beds, da da da, COVID, the whole nine yards. Well, life's good, you know. We go out into the lobby, and um, we're waiting for him to be seen. And um, while we're waiting, you know, we're, we're in the lobby of an emergency room, the waiting room of an emergency room. A lot of people are in distress, and there was one lady in particular who was crying and in a lot of pain. Um, so, so I took a minute to ask her, uh, Russ joined me. He saw what I was doing. Um, if, if I could ask her a question, if I could pray for her. You know, and her and her husband said, yeah, please. And uh, so, so I began to pray. And I'm um, <clears throat> not too flowery or too special. Um, you know? I, I can see that you're probably yeah. not very flowery. No, not at all. <laughs> Um, like, you know, get here, Holy Spirit, we got something to do, hurry up. And, um, and, uh. Prayers from the Bronx. Yeah, the Bronx right. Prayer Book. The, the Book of Brooklyn. And, um, um, so we do our thing, you know, and, uh, and as we get to the amen part, we realize that six or eight other people are saying amen with us in the lobby. Um, so, uh, I'm not going to stop there. Yeah, of course you know, not. Now I'm, now I'm moving, and, uh, and we're hitting the people in the lobby. As we're doing this, the orderlies, or whatever they're called, the doctor that we're going to need to see, we don't know this yet, um, are all pausing. They're in the lobby, in the other side of the lobby, and they're pausing, and they're not interfering with what, what we're doing. Now we finish, I sit down, this lady who's been waiting all morning to get some care, somebody comes out now and says, we'll take you, Emily, and takes her right to the back. Coincidence, maybe, but Isaac said there are no coincidences. Um, so now everybody's a little talking about this and whatnot. Um, we get our chance to take the fellow that we're with back to the doctor who witnessed what we were doing in the lobby. And um, he immediately said, I, I know exactly what you need. He said, and we're going to take care of this guy for you. So they, you know, the fellow that we brought there is still there. He's getting the care that he desperately needs. Um, we had to go back out into the lobby to wait for them to do some further testings and things like that. So I go back out. I need to leave. So I'm telling Russ I'm going to go, but I want to pray for Philip before I go. So um, um, as I'm going to pray for him, this other lady with her husband says, that's the guy. So here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> now we're praying for a few more people, and, and I'm on the way out the door. I, I'm going to be really, really quick to throw my part into this. Um, look, guys, I don't know if I healed anybody. I don't know what I did there, except for one thing that I do know I did. There's a place here where there's pain, there's suffering, there's fear, there's crying, there's everything that's of the enemy, of the adversary. 
proclaimed the kingdom of God, Come on. made myself available, and the rule and reign of God took over. Yeah. Amen. I, I just want to throw in one other thing. You have that. You have that. If people aren't coming to prayer, maybe it's because we're not inviting them. They're desperate to the love of God. And the love of God encompassed this whole place. And for a minute, for a minute, crying subsided, the pain, the fear, all those things, they were gone. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. Thanks, Michael. I wanted Michael to share that, well, for lots of reasons, because it's exciting to say thank you, Lord, for what you're doing, to inspire us to step into holy hellos. That was a holy hello. You know, hello, could I pray for you? And then, yes, and then before you know it, the whole room, is the atmosphere changed in the room. Did you catch that? Um, John Wimber has said the kingdom of God is the rule of God. God invading the dominion of Satan. There's an activity. We are in a series together called Living the Life of the Future Now. How the inbreaking of God's kingdom changes everything. So that was a story of God's kingdom breaking in, the rule and reign of God breaking in into a present circumstance. And one of the things I wanted you to hear from just a story on the street is that we are in an unusual season right now of receptivity to Jesus, to prayer, to the presence of God. There seems to be an unusual amount of hunger and openness. The stories come to me constantly. People tell me, in all my years, I've never seen this kind of openness. It's all over our nation. I'm hearing it's all over the world, in fact. There's something happening that's by the Spirit of God. And in my experience, when these windows open, they don't stay open forever. That God opens windows. He does something to cause the hearts of people to be more than usually receptive. And I want to encourage us, and this, the series that I'm teaching is about that, to encourage and equip us to be prepared to take advantage of this open window because it might close. There might be in our future a time when not only people are not as receptive to Jesus and the gospel in our communities, they might be antagonistic. You know, that's happening. Our, our friends in Asia had the police invade their meeting like this and shut it down. And people are in danger of going to prison right now because there, there's a group that are antagonistic. So now's the time. You know, Isaac came up and told you a story of going to skate parks because junior hires, middle schoolers are receptive, and he's opening the Gospel of John to kids at a skate park. Because they're listening, they're opening their hearts. Yeah. Um, C4C Ministries is on the street many times a week looking for people who might be hungry to receive the blessings of God's kingdom. The time is now. So we are going to talk some more about uh, equipping for 
this kind of ministry that we're talking. The, the concept that we've been building on, and I need to repeat it, by the way, because some of you haven't been here, so you have no idea what I'm talking about, and I want you to be included. We're, we're, I'm talking today building on things that I've been talking about for three weeks. This is the fourth week. And I do apologize, I looked at the time of how long I talked to you last week, and I was like very long-winded, sorry for that. <laughs> the clock's broken, you see. So, <laughs> I should have been looking at my watch, but we'll, maybe we'll leave it broken, I don't know. Anyway, the concept is this. Jesus began his ministry with these words, The time is now, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe this good news. And many of us, many scholars, many people that study God's word thoroughly believe, and I believe with them, that the central message of Jesus' ministry, in fact, the central message of the Bible is the kingdom of God. Jesus begins proclaiming the kingdom of God is here now in me. And then he spent the rest of his ministry that we read about in the Gospels commenting on that theme, explaining that theme over in many details of what this means that the kingdom of God is here. And in, in short, at least part of what we've discovered is that there was an expectation among the Jewish people from the Hebrew Bible what we would call our Old Testament, but it's the Bible for the Jewish people, that proclaimed the day was coming when the world would end, when this present evil age would end and the new age would begin. God would come with an anointed one who would establish his kingdom. All of the evil kingdoms would be put away, and it would be a time not unlike the time when their king David was king. It would be not unlike when the children of Israel were, were rescued out of slavery in Egypt, there would be a time of provision and peace and beauty unlike any other, that the old evil age would be done away with and the new age would come. Jesus came proclaiming a surprise interpretation of that story and said, I'm the king, in me the future has come now before the end. And then he went on to describe that not only is the kingdom now here, it's also delayed and there's conflict and there's war and it's not quite as simple as they thought. But in him, the kingdom has come and yet it's not completely consummated. That's coming in a future day when he comes a second time. And that's the part that no one really anticipated, but it was there all along. So you hear Jesus teaching about that in the parables and certainly all through the New Testament, you'll discover over and over, that we are living in the presence of the future. We are an already, not yet, people. The kingdom of God is already here. It's breaking in constantly. It's not here fully, so there's still sin, sickness, disease. Satan is chained, but he seems to have a long tether because he seems to still get around and do some damage. We are, Jesus came in conquest as a king invading another king's territory. Satan's the usurper called the prince of the power of the air. We call this whole thing some technical terms that are helpful for me, and Michelle likes them, so I'll say them again. <laughs> the end of the world, or the study of it, is called eschatology. Jesus coming before the end, bringing the kingdom, is called inaugurated eschatology, because the kingdom has already been inaugurated. 
The fact that God's inviting us to participate with him in the activity of establishment of his kingdom is an acted inaugurated eschatology. We get to enact what Jesus has done. And Jesus came, so he dies on a cross, he rises from the dead, kingdom has happening. He pours out his spirit, which was a kingdom, end of the age event, happened. Um, when Peter got up to explain on the day of Pentecost what was happening, he referred to a prophecy about the end of time. He said, the prophet Joel prophesied, in the last days I'll pour my spirit out in all flesh. That was an end of times event. We're living in that kind of experience. We have been given the Holy Spirit, and we've been given a message and a mission. Now, Jesus always combined the message with the ministry. He would say, the kingdom of God has come, and then he would heal the sick. And John, the, the baptizer, sent word, said, are you the one? He said, well, look, blind eyes are being opened, the deaf are hearing, goodness is proclaimed to the poor. These are the signs of the kingdom. The kingdom is here. And then he sent out 12 and said, you go and preach this message. The kingdom of God is near, and as you do it, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, proclaim the good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted. Later, he took 72 other disciples. This is recorded. There probably were even more than this, for all we know, but these stories were recorded. 72 others, and he gave them the same instruction. You go, tell people the kingdom of God is near, and heal their sick. And comfort them, do all these works of the kingdom. So here's my point today. If you and I, people who've given our lives to Jesus, been filled with his spirit and sent on a mission. Stop. You've been sent on a mission. If you follow Jesus, you've been sent on a mission. You need to understand that. Because you can get out if you don't want to follow Jesus. You know, you can go back to your old life and not be on mission. But if you're going to follow Jesus, you're on mission. Is that okay? Okay. Step on any toes there. We're on mission to go where there's hurting people and bring a gospel, a good news of a kingdom that's available to them. If they'll put their trust in Jesus, he will become their king, and his kingdom will be established in their life, and they'll begin to experience what's called eternal life. Eternal life is the age to come now. It's not just live a long time. It's the quality of life from the future now. That's what eternal life is. You understand that? So if we're going to be those who enact this inaugurated eschatology, to use those big words, we're going to need some tools of the trade. We need some tools to do the work. And I want to talk today about spiritual tools, or as they're often called, spiritual gifts. Lord, we are opening your word, and we want to learn from you. I pray that you put power on this message. Holy Spirit, we invite you to speak to us as we consider the words that have been written for us to learn. Transform us, empower us, and send us, we pray in Jesus' name. Uh, I think I've told you before, my dad was a carpenter, and he was the kind of carpenter that grew up on a farm where you have to, you don't have any money, so if anything breaks, you're the repairman. So 
he was the kind of carpenter that became a carpenter just by experience. And he could, you know, pour concrete. He could put the electrical in. He could do the plumbing. He could do the framing. He could install the finished cabinets. He could do the painting. He could finish the job. He could start the job. He, as a young man of, I think, 24 years old, during the winters when you couldn't do much farming, built two houses himself completely. You know, he laid the foundation. I mean, he had help. He'd invite people to help, but it was his job. And he, you know, drew the plans, um, poured the concrete, did the plumbing, put up the framing, put on the roof, did the whole thing. He had a lot of tools. A lot of interesting tools. I could look at them and not know what they are. There are a lot of tools available for us in our mission. And honestly, we could probably spend um, a long seminar looking at all of the tools of the Spirit and talking about each one and trying to learn, well, what, is, what do you mean, word of knowledge? How does that work? How do you get that? You see, um, what do you mean, praying in an unknown language? In fact, by the way, ah, here comes the advertisement. Next Sunday, <laughs> after church, Sharon is going to lead a, uh, a workshop on receiving your prayer language. And she's going to open up the Bible and look through the various texts about praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, and what it's for, what it's used for. And then we're going to wait on the Lord, and we're going to seek Him and ask Him to give us that gift. I pray in tongues, by the way, if you didn't know that. I believe in that. Paul said, I pray in tongues more, or speak in tongues more than you all, he said. Um, it's a really, really great gift. It's a great tool. And if you don't have that tool in your tool shed, join us next Sunday and we'll see what the Lord might give you. Okay, back to, back to the talk. There's a large variety of tools. So by way of illustration, I want to read a story from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 is where this story starts. There's a young man named Philip. He's not an apostle. He's not clear what he is. He's a follower of Jesus. He's a disciple. And as people are scattered because of persecution, he ends up doing some ministry in an area called Samaria. Um, in Acts 8, you see a powerful revival in this city. Holy Spirit comes. People are being healed. Demons are flying. All this stuff's happening. After that event, we read this story. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Oh, do you believe that? An angel of the Lord might speak to you. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. Are you with the story? He's standing somewhere and he hears a voice, go to that road. Why? Don't ask questions, just go to the road. But well, do I need to take anything? Don't ask questions, go to the road. He didn't have that conversation, he just went. It's we that would say, I need, uh, I need a spreadsheet. You know, what's the insurance plan? Um, what's my guarantee? What do you mean go to the road? Uh, which way do you want me to go to the road? I mean, come on. The Lord, through an angel, says to Philip, go to that road. Go over to Oceanside Boulevard in college. And he goes. He starts, and on his way, coincidentally, meets an Ethiopian a eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, Queen of the Opians, funny I should run into you. 
on the road. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. Coincidence? God is weaving together the story of history. And he's including you and me in the story because we're on mission. And on his way home, this man was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now the Spirit of God speaks to Philip and says, go to that chariot. So first, just go to the road, no further instruction. When he gets there, there's a guy in a chariot. Go up to him. You might get these kind of leadings in your life. I'm calling this kind of leading a spiritual tool, a gift. Philip runs up to the chariot. This is where boldness comes in. This guy's a stranger and he's a foreigner. What if he rejects me? What if he's mean? What if he doesn't like people interrupting? He's reading. Should I just wait till he's done reading? No, run up to the chariot. He runs up to the chariot. Here's the man reading, and he says, hey, excuse me, do you understand what you're, say, what you're reading? And the guy goes, not at all. How can I unless someone explains it to me? Would you come up and help me? So he invites Philip up to sit next to him in his chariot. And he was reading Isaiah. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Coincidence that he was reading this part? No. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, what is he talking about? I don't understand. Is this himself, someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Isn't that an amazing story? As they traveled along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, hey, there's some water. Why shouldn't I be baptized right now? And Philip says, good idea, let's do that. So they get off the chair and baptize him. This is what normal Christianity could look like when we're on mission and there are tools handed to us. That's how he did this. I, I think I've told you this story, but I'll tell it again. I, I, before I was married, before I entered into the fullness of life, I had a moment with a roommate, and I like being married much better than having a roommate. But anyway, I had a little condo, and my roommate was a nice guy named Jay. And one time, this is like 1991 maybe, I think, yeah, 90, 91, he was on his way to do his laundry, and... Um, the Spirit of the Lord said, don't go to that laundromat. Go to this other one. Can God do that today? Yeah. It was just like this story. And so it's like he didn't ask. He, was, he, was, he, had taught, he learned to just obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I know, I think, Michael, you've told us stories where you guys are going somewhere for handing out food, and Stephen, our sound man, hears from the Lord and says, let's not go to that street, let's go to this other street. But we never go there. Let's go there. So they follow Stephen's leading because the Lord speaks to him, and then they meet someone, and then there's a powerful encounter of the Holy Spirit, and all heaven breaks loose. Isn't that fun? So my friend, my roommate Jay, goes to this other laundromat. When he walks in there, there's a woman who needs to receive Jesus. And he leads her to Jesus. And he helps her get free from her cocaine addiction. And then he brings her to our young adult small group at the church. And then she got incorporated in the small group. She got saved, became part of the body of Christ because the Spirit of the Lord said to a guy, go to another laundromat. 
would you please have your expectation go up about 10 notches right now? Now, I, I think that's called prophecy or word of knowledge or some kind of direction. Here's another story. Are these stories fun? Acts 14, verse 5. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews, together with the leaders, to mistreat Paul and Barnabas, just previous verses in this story, and stone them. But they found out about it, and like wise men, they fled. <laughs> Wouldn't you? <laughs> they fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe, into the surrounding country, where they continued to preach the good news. What's the good news? The kingdom of God is now here in Jesus. Believe this good news. You can enter into eternity now. You can live the life of the future now. You can taste of the coming age now. Paul wrote in the Bible, we are those upon whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. Hebrews describes us as those who've tasted of the powers of the coming age. Those are Two more examples of already not yet. We're tasting the powers of the coming age. Paul's preaching the good news of the kingdom. Verse 8, In Lystra there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed. Well, how do you see that he has faith to be healed? What are you talking about this is a spiritual gift can you have spiritual gifts I'm telling you if you're going to do the ministry you need some tools and I want you to know they're available he looked right at him saw that he had faith to be healed and called out stand up on your feet two more tools we'll read about in just a moment out of Paul's letter to the Corinthians um, faith the working of miracles three more tools and uh, gifts of healings all happen right here. He has a prophetic word. He has a gift of faith. He has a gift of healings. And he just gives out these gifts. They're spiritual tools. The man jumps to his feet and begins to walk. And the story goes on from there. The, the word that's used to describe these is um, often spoken in Greek because it, it rings true in our ears. Charisma. You've heard charisma? Have you ever heard of charismatic people? Have you heard, you know, you've heard it of, of a person that has a nice personality and he's a good salesman, but have you heard it of, a, of a style of church life? Those charismatics. Those are people who believe in the charisma. Well, what is charisma? Charisma comes from the Greek word charis. Which my daughter's name came from that, charissa, charissa. And it means a gift of grace. When you read the word grace in English, it comes from the Greek word charis. It's a gift that's not merited. It's given by the love and favor and kindness of God. When you put the ending ma on the end of charis, it makes it a concrete instance or example of grace. So charisma are gifts of grace. One um, New Testament scholar named Russell Spittler coined the phrase gracelets to describe these gifts that we get in a moment. Gracelets, little gifts, little concrete examples of God's grace given to us to give out. 
And I'm calling them spiritual tools today because I think of us as disciples, as apprentices who are learning to do what Jesus did. We're doing the things with the tools that he had and he made available to us. So Paul writes about this to the church at Corinth in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. And I'm going to read some of that to you. Are you ready? How are you doing, by the way? You need some light? Oh, you can't see. Well, you can see it on the screen, but maybe... These aisle lights will come brighter suddenly. I don't know. There's a request for some light in the house. <laughs> oh, here it comes. We'll see. By the way, we hope to get some new lighting soon. Let there be light. You might want to um, donate some extra money for lights, too. That would help because they cost. Okay, so that's a different seminar. <laughs> that's the spiritual gift, the grace of giving. But we're talking about another... So, verse 1 of chapter 12 of Corinthians, you, you, you ready to go? Paul says, now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. And this is the middle of a letter to a church who's known for having lots of spiritual gifts in practice, but they're kind of out of line in some ways. Um, the, in the Greek that this is written in, it doesn't say spiritual gifts. It just says now about pneumatikos, which means about that which pertains to the spirit. The, the translators have added gifts to try to make it sound better in English, but he's just talking about spiritual things, and it might be better translated. Now about spiritual things, brothers, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, so before they became followers of Jesus, they followed the pantheon, the many gods that involved offering sacrifices in temples to little idols, and there were spiritual things happening there, too. There's a very real spiritual dynamic in idolatry. There's very real spiritual dynamics all over. You want to get into Eastern mysticism? You'll find some spirits. You might, if you dive far enough into your yoga, you might find some spirits, because they're there. You know that you were, when you were pagans, I'm, by the way, I'm sorry, I didn't say that stretching is bad for you. <laughs> Don't hear that. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't misunderstand. <laughs> I'm just mentioning there are spiritual things all around us that are not of the Spirit of God. When you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, well, Jesus would be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord, except it's by God's Spirit. Uh, a little, by the way, just throw this in here. If any of you listening to me or in this room have gotten yourself involved in spiritual things where maybe an angel has spoken to you. Um, you're, you're experiencing spiritual guides. I, I knew a guy who was um, way into martial arts, and he had an ascended master teaching him and giving him power. He later discovered that ascended master was a disguised demon. And here's a test. If you have an angel or something in your life, ask that being, is Jesus Christ the Son of the living God, the Holy One, and do you worship him? See how it responds. If it doesn't respond like this, you don't want that spirit guiding you. That was maybe not for all of you, but that, that impacts some of us. Okay, so no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts. Now, that's the word charisma. There are different kinds of gifts. It, just let me stop there. The fact that the gifts we're about to read about are called gifts means they're not something that are like merit badges for hyper-mature spiritual Christians. Anyone, weak, strong, brand new in faith, old in faith, 
prone to sin too much, really conquering most of their sin. Anyone can, by the grace, the kindness of God, receive a charisma. So people that are spiritually gifted are not necessarily right in their walk with God. It's not a measure that says, ah, oh, that person can prophesy, therefore they must be right on. They might not be right on, but they're given a gift. They probably ask for the gift, and the gifts go to those who ask, them, ask for them generally. You, you good? You follow me? These charisma are given um, different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. Notice we're going to see the Trinity in this text. There are different kinds of service. The word for service is diakonos, and it has to do with administering things. It might be where we get the kind of language of gifts of pastors and gifts of teachers and gifts of evangelists and gifts of apostles and gifts of prophets. These people doing various works by the Spirit of God as a gift to the body of Christ, various kinds of service, but the same Lord. Lord is kurios in Greek, and it refers to Jesus. So we have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus already here. Next verse, there are different kinds of working, but the same God, and God is theos, so we have the Father, Son, Holy Spirit in this text. And the, this, this working, different kinds of working, but the same God. Working is the word energio. Actually, it's another form of that, but it means the working of God's power for a specific need. So there's the power, energy, energia. This is the working, the, the act of God's power in action for a particular need. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. So these are all, we're about to read about some examples of manifestations, of making something visible, making something known. These manifestations of the Holy Spirit are given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit... So here's, here's a list of some of the things that God might hand you as a tool. And remember, I said there's lots of tools, and we could have a whole seminar trying to explain what each of them does and how to use them. We can't do that today, but we're becoming aware, some of us, of things available to us for doing the mission. To one, there's given the Spirit, through the Spirit, the message of wisdom or the word of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge or the word of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith. By that same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophesy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of different kinds of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives each one, gives them to each one just as he determines. Uh, there's a New Testament scholar by the name of Wayne Grudem, and he notes that last sentence has this kind of present tense continuous um, feeling in the Greek, and he translates or paraphrases that last sentence like this. The Holy Spirit is always continuing to distribute or apportion gifts to each person individually just as he wills to do it. The Holy Spirit is always continuously giving gifts. Here's my understanding from this and other texts and experience. The, if I go out to bless people in the name of Jesus to bring the kingdom of God, I will generally go and feel like I've got no tools in my hands and feel utterly ill-equipped. It's not as though 
I have the gift of healing that I can whip out and use anytime I want to because it's my gift. That's not how I think it works. My understanding is I have the gift of God's spirit in me. And as I go, and he says, I want you, Ron, to go heal that person. And I say, I don't have any healing. And he says, I don't care. Go and heal that person. And I say, how? And it turns out the how happens as I go to reach out and pray. And suddenly a gift shows up in my hand, a tool that's needed, a tool of healing maybe. Or suddenly I have a surge of faith. We read a gift of faith. But generally, in my experience, the receiving of the gifts of the Spirit are in the moment of need to bless. Now, it is true that if I'm someone who's constantly praying for people, and God often gives gifts of healing and faith through me, that I become more and more familiar, and I grow in my skill level. You know, if if you get some tools as a new carpenter, you will not be very skilled or coordinated with your tools. If you use them over and over and over again, you'll get more coordinated. You'll get more familiar with the tools. So that can happen. Did you follow what I just said? Does that make sense? So I'm not, I'm, what I'm saying is, don't think this, well, I can't pray for people because I don't have the gift of healing. And that guy over there, well, every time he prays, they get healed. He has the gift of healing. They should go to him. No, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. He gives, as he wills, constantly distributing gifts as needed. So obey him and go pray for the sick. Now, I'm out of time. So let me just summarize a couple things without reading more text to you, okay? Because I went so long last week. Gosh, that guy. (laughs) Gifts of the Spirit, tools of the Spirit, tools of the trade, are made available to followers of Jesus. Simply knowing that will build my faith and I can pray for them. But here's the other part. Not only are they available, we are commanded to pursue them. But you earnestly desire, in fact, I think the Greek is they're earnestly lust after, want it so bad, Spiritual gifts, especially that you can prophesy, which is to declare the heart of God into a situation. There's, Jesus told the disciples, you know what, don't go on to mission until you receive the, gift, the promise of the Holy Spirit. They didn't get passive. They then went, found a room, and began praying day and night, saying, God, send us the Spirit. Send us these gifts. They were not passive, they were active in their desiring of the promise of God's empowerment for service. You heard a teenager, I think he's 16, say that he goes to skate parks to try to find kids that need to know Jesus. So guess who's probably going to get some spiritual gifts in the moment of need? That w- I asked Steve to have him tell that story because it was exciting, but also to inspire us. That if a 16-year-old kid can do it, I guess I can get off my blessed assurance and do something. (laughs) 
Was that wrong? I'm sorry. If a guy from Brooklyn can go into a hospital room, hear the moans and cries of someone in desperation and say, well, I guess I better get up off my blessed assurance and, and enact this inaugurated eschatology and go and pray. If I have a conversation with someone because I choose to get out of my comfort zone and say hello to someone, like Philip did, especially if I'm looking around and going, God, I think you probably are sending me today. Who are you sending me to? Change your, change your demeanor to say, today, who are you sending me to? And I say, hello, how are you? I'm Ron. How's your day going? And something happens where they begin to tell me of their problems. They've just opened the door, and I can say, I think God sees you and can do something about it. Would it be okay if I prayed for you right now? All bets are off at that moment. At that moment, the kingdom of God is poised to inbreak, to break into their world. Maybe at that point, if I will slow down for a second and say, Holy Spirit, come upon me again. Fill me afresh. He might put a tool in my hand, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a supernatural faith, a discerning of spirits, a working of miracles, a prophecy to bring power into their situation because the kingdom of God is God's rule invading the domain of Satan. And he does it through you and me, empowered by his spirit. And we are in a season right now where the world is receptive. People are hungry and they seem to know it. There's talk about God. There's talk about prayer. There's talk about miracles on our streets. We have an open door right now. I'm saying I think you and I need to press into what God has made available and see what he will do. See how he wants to rescue people from the dominion of the usurper Satan the snake and crush his head once more and raise people out of the pit of despair. Michael was talking about a guy whose destiny was die in the streets. Did you hear that? So he got involved, and they said, we can't let this happen. So they prayed. So they knocked on some doors. They did some practical stuff. They went to a hospital. The hospital said, no way. So they prayed. The hospital said, well, actually, there is a way. And everything changed. And that man is not dying in the street. He's being respected and cared for in a nice environment right now. That, to me, sounds like God's kingdom, where there's peace and joy and love and provision care and kindness and safety. That's what God's kingdom is like. You are called. Let's stand together. Or I'll keep talking and we've got to shut this preacher down. You know, I have had some wonderful experiences in gatherings like this where someone gives a message and invites people to come to the front and pray and get prayer 
I have come and had substantial change in my life because the person praying for me had tools of the trade to pray over me and bless me. I've been changed, healed, set free of things in this environment. Right now, there's some people that are going to come to the front ready to pray over any of us that would like prayer. And right now, would you just open yourself up before the Lord? Say, Lord, come have your way with me. Come speak to me. If you've never given your life to Jesus, say, Jesus, I give you my life. You're now my boss. You are Lord. Take my life. I trust you with it. Forgive my sins. I trust you with them. Give me new life. Lord, let your kingdom come upon us right now, I pray. Let your spirit move amongst us. I think this experience that sometimes is referred to as like like a baptism or a description of something being fully immersed in the presence of something else like water, that's used to describe an experience with God's Holy Spirit. And I, I have the sense that some of you right now are um, stepping into that kind of experience this moment. Um, we want to pray for you, and I don't know how to identify you. If you have this sense that God's Spirit is coming upon you in an unusual way, like a baptism, would you come and have some people pray over you? In that kind of prayer, he might do some impartation of spiritual gifts to you. And I can't describe that more. I think God will have to show you what I'm talking about. What else, Lord? Speak, Lord. Just in general, in an environment where the presence of the Lord is almost tangible, there's almost always healing available. The Bible describes times where in Jesus' own ministry, the presence or the power of God was there to heal the sick. Um, it wouldn't say that if it weren't the case that sometimes the power of God wasn't there in the same manner to heal the sick, but the power of God would be manifest in a special way. And I think there's that here. If you have disease, brokenness, sickness in your body, and you would like it to be healed, would you come and let some people pray over you? Also, if you're addicted to nicotine, uh, let's see if God will break that today. If you'd like to be set free from that, um, we'll pray for that. Um, I'm going to be done now. We're going to have worship going. You are welcome to stay. You're welcome to come get prayer. You're welcome to pray for each other. The presence of God is in this place. If you didn't notice, dive in. The water's good. You're on a mission. Go when you leave this place. Bring the kingdom of God in word and in deed. May the Lord bless you and keep you and his face shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you rest. Amen.
We hope you've enjoyed this message. This weekly podcast is available on our website, gracevcf.org, where you can learn more about Grace Vineyard and our vision for people everywhere to know and worship God.